It's finally 2021, and to celebrate, we're offering a New Year's special. Annual memberships are now available at patreon.com slash CFBWinningEdge. By joining us as an annual member, you will save 16%, which is like getting two months for free. We're also offering Tier 2 access to Tier 1 annual members. Help support this podcast, keep it ad-free, and help us fund 2021 updates, improvements, and new projects by becoming an annual member at patreon.com slash CFBWinningEdge. Welcome back, everybody. It's College Football Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter, at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Nicholas Ian Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge. Follow him on the Twitter, at CFB Winning Edge, and Xavier Trish. Follow him on the Twitter, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. Today on the show, we're going to be doing our first-year head coach draft, our second annual first-year head coach draft. You will remember last year, Xavier absolutely wiped the floor with us. In our inaugural edition, 39 points for him, 25 for Nick, and I was low man on the totem pole with 17 here, but we're here to change history this time. But uh, Nick, how's it going, man? How was your weekend? Uh, not bad. We're uh, digging out from uh, a bit of a, a winter storm over the weekend. Had to shovel a few times the last few days, but uh, it's going to be, I mean, basically, you know, spring bordering on summer here in uh, in New England Later this week, it'll be in the mid forties uh, for the high, and yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy. It's it's uh, it's uh, warming up, feeling feeling nice, ready to put on some shorts, and uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I uh, zero shares of snow and sh- and uh, shoveling snow and all that stuff for me. Xavier, how about you? Do you spend your weekend shoveling any snow? No, not at all. It is it, it was seventy this weekend, and it's seventy today. So I'm going outside after the podcast is over. It's, it's, oh, it's my favorite what, time of the year, right? Before what a spring. what a bragger! It's not quite seventy here yet, but uh, our high today is eighty degrees. So, uh, I mean, that's you guys are just perpetually hot. That is ridiculous. Arizona man, it, but dry heat at eighty is perfect. I mean, it's gorgeous out here. So, uh, I absolutely love it. But before we dive in on all of the, uh, you know, the the draft that we're going to do and all that stuff, we had some big time transfers announce where they're going this week. So let's talk about those. And uh, Nick, Oregon starting quarterback Tyler Shook transferred to Texas Tech. Auburn got uh, cornerback Deshaun Miller from West Virginia. Michigan QB Joe Milton left for the transfer portal. So that leaves uh, Cade McNamara, who Milton took over for, and freshman J.J. McCarthy as the number one options at Michigan. And then former Nebraska quarterback Luke McCaffrey committed to Louisville. So your thoughts on uh, all of these moves here? Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised that Shuck ended up at Texas Tech. I mean, we briefly discussed uh, when he had entered the transfer portal last week, and you know, a, a lot of the names that were mentioned early on were places like Penn State, Auburn. I mean, he was expected to be, you know, a, a real hot commodity, and I'm sure he, you know, I'm sure he was, but. Uh, being you expect pursued by teams that are expected to compete for conference titles. I mean, he, he 
played a big role in Oregon winning uh, the Pac-12 last year and it's it's shortened season so uh you know he's a guy that that has a good bit of uh you know starting experience has multiple years of eligibility is a grad transfer is going to be automatically eligible and was a former four-star uh prospect coming out of high school so uh yeah you know texas tech just wasn't really on my radar and and Part of that, I guess, is uh, my personal expectations at this point in the early offseason for Texas Tech are not particularly high. Uh, felt like, you know, they may, they've been pretty busy in the transfer portal, especially on defense. And, and uh, you know, it, it just sort of seems to be a, a lot of turnover. Wasn't incredibly encouraged with what I saw from them last season. I know there are some people uh, who follow the Big 12, you know, a bit closer day-to-day, I guess, than I do, who even speculate that Texas Tech might be uh, in danger of uh, falling into that Kansas level, uh, you know, just sort of as a program, not really trending in the right direction. I wouldn't go that far, but I I don't expect them to be uh, any better than middle of the pack, or at least I didn't, you know, before this news. Of course, Alan Bowman, uh, who's been an off-and-on starter, often injured there, uh, the last couple of years is in the transfer portal. And, and so uh, opportunity to play early. And and I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily even call Shuck the unquestioned starter there because they have Henry Columbia, who uh, followed Matt Wells from Utah State and started some last year for them. But uh, seems to be relatively clear cut that Shuck's the, the heavy favorite for that job. And, and maybe, you know, if he had gone to a place like Auburn where Bo Nix is, uh, a, a starter there, or Penn State, Sean Clifford has been the starter there. You know, maybe maybe fifty percent or, or slightly above that he would be able to win that job. Uh, but at Texas Tech, being a heavy favorite, you know, I guess it I guess it makes sense. So I, I don't know all the uh, the the background relationships that Chuck might have there with uh, the coaching staff at, at this point, who might have been uh, recruiting him, whether they were you know. At, at, part of that Utah State staff or, or uh, some earlier places before maybe they were able to, to build a relationship when he was in high school. Haven't dug into it quite that far yet, but uh, this was a little bit of a surprise as, as far as a, a landing spot for him, but certainly uh, hope uh, the best for him. Hopefully he'll have some success there. The uh, Deshaun Miller uh, move was a, a bit of a surprise. West Virginia's uh, secondary coach, defensive backs coach, actually just uh, left for Georgia. Georgia's got a, a big need at corner. Uh, at, at this point, you expect that they probably will look to add a transfer or two uh, to beef up that that spot. And Miller's a Georgia native. So all signs, you know, when he entered the transfer portal were, hey, this guy's probably going to end up at Georgia. And uh, Auburn, a bit of a, a surprise spot, not not just because of those uh, potential connections at Georgia, but also Auburn's, you know, Auburn's got a, a very strong uh, secondary, a strong group. Uh, you know, a couple of starting corners are uh, returning this year, one of which, uh, you know, we, we should expect to be an all SEC caliber type guy. So, you know, it, it, it was just a, a little bit of a surprise, but not, you know, not a not a shock because uh, it's going to a, a, a solid program, history of success at that position, uh, who's put some players in the NFL recently. So, uh, you know, 
again, hopefully that'll work out for him. Joe Milton, I don't think it was a big surprise to anyone. He had fallen behind McNamara on the uh, depth chart late in the year. I think there's a probably better than 50% chance that uh, true freshman five-star J.J. McCarthy is going to be the guy uh, that ends up starting at Michigan in, in 2021. Uh, just sort of seems, you know, now down to, to those two guys. Uh, and, and one of them is the clear, you know, future uh, of the program, face of the program type player. It seems like it's going to be McCarthy's job sooner rather than later. And, and then, uh, you know, McCaffrey, uh, Luke McCaffrey, uh, his his brother also transferred from Michigan, but uh, Luke McCaffrey landing at Louisville, you know, seems like an interesting spot on, on the surface. Mikhail Cunningham returning there has had uh, some ups and downs, but, you know, uh, I think has a, a lot of, uh, potential seems like more ups than downs and, and going into another year as a starter there. So, you know, McCaffrey probably won't be a, a full-time starter in 2021, assuming he's eligible on day one, but, uh, you know, seems like a, a fair spot for him, uh, uh, an offense that has done some good things with the quarterback position, put them in a, a position to be successful Cunningham, uh, you know, the, the past couple of years. And then Scott Satterfield, of course, was at App State, turned Zach Thomas into an uh, all-conference type player and, and uh, Tyler Lamb before him. So uh, seems to, you know, have a good track record in that position and, and uh, could be a worse spot, you know, certainly. So uh, interesting that he, he did pick a, a place where there is an established starter, but, you know, uh, somewhat somewhat different, I guess, than Shuck. But uh, does seem like a, a decent fit for him, and, and uh, hopefully it'll it'll work out for all involved. Yeah, Xavier, you know, we were talking about this move um, for Shook to Texas Tech, and I kind of liked it because Jordan Love still got drafted in the first round last year. He had a really good 2018 at Utah State with Matt Wells. Terrible 2019 at Utah State after he left, and he still was taken in the first round. So I think... That coupled with the fact that Patrick Mahomes went to Texas Tech uh, and all the success that he's had means that maybe people aren't overlooking this school. And, you know, I, I, I who are those mean people saying Texas Tech is going to fall down to the Kansas level, Nick? I mean, come on. You know, they're, they're not great, but but they're not that bad. So uh, I think they can get it together. But your thoughts on these transfers up here? Yeah, for, for the Shuck move, I was a little bit surprised because I thought that, you know, I thought he would want to compete for his job at Oregon. Uh, but to an extent, the writing was on the wall. You saw that the confidence level that and that they had in him down the stretch of last year started to wane a bit. We started to see Anthony Brown more and more and more uh, as the season progressed, especially in, in the uh, Pac-12 championship game and in the Fiesta Bowl. You know, he, he was the spark in that championship game against USC. Uh, or, I'm sorry, yeah, against USC and in the – PlayStation and in the Fiesta Bowl, he played a good amount. And so I think for Shuck, he just saw an opportunity to go play in a pass-heavy conference that was going to see him probably maximize his ability. Shuck, we, you know, he got the early comparisons to Justin Herbert, but he's not nearly as mobile. He's going to go to a place where he's going to get a heck of a lot of passes, a heck of a lot of attempts if he does win a starting spot. Heck, I mean, Nick said this, I don't know how long ago. It was during the season, I remember. But Nick was like, or it was either Nick or Scott, but one of you guys was like, Texas Tech will score. They're, they're going to put up points. They might be terrible defensively, but they're going to put up points. Uh, they're typically atop the conference in, in passing yards year in and year out, uh, at least top three. And so I think that that's best for him. 
whereas at Oregon, you saw the, uh, a more concerted effort of using him as a runner and a passer. So I think that he may want to go to Texas Tech for that reason, as well as the Anthony Brown kind of, you know, being on his neck. Um, when we look at the transfer to Auburn, you know, when, 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 when Nick, when you were talking about him being from Georgia, him being from Marietta, uh, Joshon Miller, I was a little bit surprised by the decision. However, we just watched the Super Bowl two weeks ago. There were not, there were two Auburn DBs in that super, in that Super Bowl for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Auburn has been shown in the last couple of years, at least, that they are putting out NFL talent, and a lot of kids, especially tall corners, are starting to tra- you know to, to transition their way to going to Auburn. You're right; their secondary was very good last year, but this is a guy who was easily the best corner on West Virginia's ball club. He wants to compete and get out there, and like I said. You know, you go down the list, they they put out four corners into the draft in the last two years. So I think you you I think you look at it from that standpoint, and I think that's what he sees as well as an opportunity to go straight to the NFL coming from Auburn as they're beginning to build kind of a pedigree uh for being a a, a quiet, you know, DBU. I'm not gonna call them DBU yet, but quietly they're putting out some pretty good talent. Carlton Davis and uh Jamel Dean were the two that played for the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl just a couple of weeks ago. And when we talk about Michigan. Uh, uh, man, the quarterback situation in Michigan, I swear, every year is just not great. It is, uh, it is a revolving door. We have no idea who's going to play, how many snaps they're going to get. Are they even going to be good enough to last the entire season? Well, now we don't have to worry about that because Kay McNamara is the only guy, I think, right now that we would suggest would slot in their first day. You're absolutely right. There's a freshman behind him that could take the starting spot. However, I think McNamara showed himself down the stretch last year to be capable. I mean, he played his butt off in a, in a triple overtime win against Rutgers. He had a pretty decent outing against Wisconsin as well. And other than that, you know, he didn't really get too many snaps. But, I mean, 425 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions is a pretty good, you know, it, it, it looks good from, from that perspective. And so I think that he's going to definitely be the favorite coming into this year. Um, so I would like, you know, and finally at Michigan, we have the quarterback situation figured out to an extent, to an extent. I mean, if you say so. Yeah, you know, <laughs> this is—it's kind of funny. We haven't hammered on Michigan for, I feel like, a couple months now, and but but that felt pretty good. So, uh, he, hearing you do it, so yeah, right? I, I, yeah, we're back in the flow of things now. I feel like, uh, but we did have one FBS team play this weekend. It was New Mexico State, and they got beat forty-three to seventeen by Tarleton State. Nick, uh, you know, this is why they ranked 126 out of 130 teams in our initial rankings because Tarleton State, well, you know, they're a good team, uh, but New Mexico State just got thrashed here. Before Nick goes, can can we go back and redo that episode so I can, so we can, you know, talk about New Mexico State now that they've lost this game? I, <laughs> I, I, I think we need to do some revising and some editing on that episode in particular. I mean, who are the teams below them? It's like UMass and uh, I can't even remember the, the teams that were below. Whoever's them. below them does Akron not. Akron and, and uh, Bowling Green. They don't so, belong that far. So, yeah. so the well, and, and remember those the 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 review series we're doing. Those are our end of season twenty twenty uh, power rankings. So oh, that's right. Part that's right. of part of New Mexico State's, uh, you know, they they I think were boosted a little bit because they didn't play because I kind of had to plug in just some generic uh, team performance ratings. I mean, there's definitely 
uh, a, a chance that had they played a full season, they would not have uh, put up a, a rating that I think we ended up uh, just doing a, a 70, which is basically the as low as we're designed to go, though some teams in the the far, far, uh, you know, 120s to 130 can put up, you know, mid 60s, things like that. But uh, so, you know, they, they might have put up a 65 instead of a 70 that might have dri- dropped them to uh, 129 or, or 130. certainly within the, the realm of possibilities. But during that, that, you know, first uh, review show we did where we talked about New Mexico State, um, you know, we we sort of wondered aloud, hey, they're put, they at that time were scheduled to play three games. Now they're scheduled to play two. Uh, and, you know, if, if you win them, great, but it's sort of a situation where they're, at least from the outside looking in, there's a uh, sort of a, you know, hey, if you win these games, great, you were supposed to, you're playing FCS teams. Charleston State in its second game as an FCS program moving up from Division Two. So, uh, you know, just last year they were a, a, a Division Two team. Uh, so that, that adds just sort of another – uh, you know, little extra bit of salt into the wound there for New Mexico State, but but we talked about hey, if they if they somehow lose these games, you know, is that maybe even worse than just not playing at all? Because how what is that going to do to the confidence of of the players and and all of that, and to get blown out uh, in this game? And and I'll admit I did I haven't gone back and, and seen any uh, highlights of this. I haven't uh, been able to to see a. Uh, you know, if it's up on YouTube, it, it wasn't when I looked for it on uh, on Monday morning. But I did watch the the post game press conference with uh, head coach. Uh, uh, oh gosh, it's, it's my mind's blank. Martin, I believe, is his, is his last name. But um, you know, it, it, it's it's weird. You know, he he tries to put a little bit of of positive spin and say, hey, yeah, we're. He doesn't say necessarily we're treating it like. Uh, like like scrimmage games basically or or like you know a, a spring game after spring practice but you kind of get the feel he's, he's trying to give that impression talking about one it's a little difficult they're not playing at home they are playing on the road playing uh in in the sun bowl in, in el paso uh they did have some guys out with injuries they've had some of their better players enter the transfer portal they don't have some of their incoming transfers eligible to play. But on the other side of things, Charlton State had, what, more than a half dozen players, including multiple starters, uh, weren't uh, able to play because of COVID protocol. So it, it's just uh, – it's it's tough, and, and we don't need to spend way too much time on it. But uh, it, it's – you know, my, my thought immediately went to that, hey, would it have been better to just not play this game at all? And, and you know, what, what – the coaching staff was saying, hey, we've, we haven't played in over 400 days. Just getting out on the field, knocking off some of that rust, that's going to serve us well in the fall. And, and I understand that argument. But on the other hand, you know, you think, well, maybe if you just start fresh in, in the spring, looking ahead to, to 2021 and don't end up, you know, getting blown out by an FCS opponent, uh, you know, maybe that hindsight being being what it is you know maybe maybe that might have been a, a better thing to do uh so i don't know it, it's it's a an unexpected uh result when i saw that score uh flash up 
But, you know, as being one of the, the lower rated teams, and I would say that, you know, since we've even recorded that show, uh, New Mexico State has, has lost a few guys we expected to be starters, a few returning uh, starters from the 2019 uh, squad, including uh, really a, 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 a solid sophomore safety who's getting uh, you know, some offers from places like TCU and, and other power five programs since he's entered the, the transfer portal. So, you know, New Mexico state is, is uh, just in a bit of a weird situation. We probably shouldn't read too much into it, but this is not the result that, that they wanted for sure. Xavier, your thoughts on uh, New Mexico state getting trounced here. I mean, you got to cancel the season, right? I, I mean, I, I'm not being, you know, I, I don't mean to be mean by it, but, it doesn't get much better from this. Sure, you could win the next couple of ball games, but you, Nick, how old is Tarleton State? Uh, well, they, they just moved from Division Two to, to FCS, so uh, they're you know they're they're uh, a a recent. Yeah, I, 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 and to be honest, I don't know. I, I probably should have should have prepared a little more uh, for for this note, but I mean, I just know they're a young FCS program. Uh, whether they whether they're a young uh, football program or not, uh, you know, two games ago they were a Division two program, so you wouldn't expect a rising Division two program to to beat a, an FBS opponent, no matter who it is, forty three to, to seventeen. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and it was. I mean, and, and Charlton State, you know, they they played McNeese State to overtime and in, in their first game. So, you know, seems like a solid squad. I don't, I don't want to, uh, right, you know, right. I, I haven't watched them very much if at all. So I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm certainly no expert, uh, but just the, the thought that you know, one, it's an FCS program two, uh, an FCS program that's playing just its second FCS game. It's an embarrassing, it's an embarrassing final score. And, and, you know, New Mexico state certainly could, uh, set things right with with a you know they do have another chance in, in a uh, a couple of weeks they play Sunday March seventh against Dixie State which is a similar program coming out from Division two to FCS so if if you go out and you win that game forty three to seventeen then hey you can say all right you know we we played the two spring games they they counted but they didn't really count now we're we're getting ready for the fall and and all of that. Uh, but, you know, you go out and you lose that game or, or it's a, a nail-biter down to the end, and those players are, are going to be looking at a, at a you know, a summer conditioning uh, situation where just confidence has got to be extremely low. And then, you know, this point's been made a thousand times since this uh, since the game ended on, on Sunday, but New Mexico State plays Alabama next November. So, you know, think of, of – uh, what happened on uh, Sunday, you know, Alabama might be a 70-point favorite in that game. I mean, hey, and if we want to get a good idea of what may happen in that game, Dixie State and Tarleton State play this weekend. So, hey, I mean, we'll get a nice barometer for Dixie State. And for me, the risk is not outweighed. The, the, the risk is not worth the reward. You beat Dixie State, you're supposed to beat them. You lose to Dixie State, it it, it is. It takes the confidence of everybody in that ball club, you would think, and that fan base. And, you know, you, you still have to recruit. It's cancel the season. Let it go. Let it, <laughs> let it. The risk just does not outweigh the reward for me. And I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not good. No. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's gonna be difficult 
however long this season is going to last for New oh. Mexico State. Yeah, go ahead. I've got some news for you guys, and this is going to be for all my gamers out there who love college football, the game. I know we had it announced a couple of weeks ago, but Notre Dame's athletic director came out and said Notre Dame will not be in the game if they uh, if the players are not able to benefit from their image and likeness. So I know we talked about EA possibly going the route of not using the likeness or you know trying to get around that kind of uh, that hurdle that stopped them from creating games over the last seven years. Well, it's still out there that teams may decide they're not going to put their, their their team in there uh, anyway. So Notre Dame is the first one to say something about it. I'm sure we'll get more and more statements about that as it kind of goes on because Notre Dame will not be the first or the last team that says if my team can't benefit off their likeness, then they won't be in the game. Uh, but that was just that just came down the pipeline today. As well. I mean, those will all be easy edits, though. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the the South Bend fighting leprechauns will be in, in the and guess what? They'll be uh, gold and blue and uh, all that stuff. And, and the names will be editable. You know, it, it's all going to be just like it was before where they were kind of saying, well, we're not using anyone's likeness, you know, uh, but it'll just be like, I don't know if you guys remember, but in a couple of the baseball games when Barry Bonds decided he wasn't going to be part of the Players Association, right? He wasn't, they couldn't put him in games. So he'd make a uh, white dude uh, that was a right-handed hitter, but had all his number and all of his same equipment on. And all you had to do was go in, edit his name, change his skin color, and switch him to a lefty. And then you have Barry Bonds. You know what I mean? Like, that's John Dowd. Yeah, yeah, it was John Dowd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Hundred yep. percent. Yeah, Nick knows. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. But no, I, I I saw the thing about Notre Dame and and one, we're probably a couple of years away from the game happening right. anyway. Uh two, there's plenty of time to figure all that out, whether it is getting players uh a, a cut or whether it's doing something to get Notre Dame or, or whatever uh team on board. So I I would yeah, we'll probably hear some more things and and uh, you know, maybe it's a it's a good bit of pressure on you know the the side of uh, teams like Notre Dame to speed up the process to get players uh, their you know what what they deserve for uh, their role in in this video game. But uh, yeah, on the other hand, there's plenty of time to to figure all that out. I wouldn't. I would expect one way or the other when this game comes out, whenever it does, Notre Dame will be part. All right, so that leads us into our second annual first-year head coach draft. So, Nick, please tell us how the uh, scoring is going to work this year because last year we were going based off improvements from the previous year, but because of 2020 and COVID and all that stuff, the games aren't going to line up for every team. So uh, explain how the scoring is going to work for this year since I have the first pick. I should probably go down that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I've actually, you know, I actually decided to keep things uh, uniform and it will just sort of roll with the same scoring. And, and I thought about, you know, maybe doing something with uh, uh, winning percentage and, and say, OK, you know, each each 10 percentage points is worth a point or, or whatever. And I think that just ended up getting more and more. Uh, confusing and kind of throwing things out of whack. We're just, I think that, that if we use last year's scoring, which is uh, every win, each, each head coach leads his team to, to every win is worth one point. And then every win on top of uh, last year's win total is worth 
two points. So the teams that played fewer games in 2020, you actually have an opportunity to, to pick up more points just by playing more games, I think. So I think it's going to kind of even out that way. But a team that uh, ends up losing more games, which that that's a little bit of a, a concern. Uh, so so maybe you guys let me know. Maybe, maybe we uh, don't do – a one minus one point for every extra loss, but maybe we do minus one point for every fewer win, if that makes sense. We take losses out and we just do the one fewer point for every win. So maybe that's a change that we can make based on last year. I like that. But I think the, I think the the one point for every win, two points for each additional win. I, I, I like that point, like that part. And then we'll change it to minus one point for every, uh, uh, or every, fewer win than than 2020 so we do have what three winless teams so i guess you kind of get a a little bit of a free roll there they're not going to be uh losing uh you know fewer games than they did or not going to be winning fewer games than they did in in uh 2020 but but yeah so we'll do one point for each win two points if you get an additional win so like arkansas state finished four and seven last year butch jones if he leads them to five wins then that'll be worth the five points for five wins and then one additional point because of that fifth win was worth an extra point. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think that makes sense. So, uh, and there's 15 new head coaches, which means all of us will have uh, five. five picks here. So, or are we go in three rounds. How, how do you, how did you want to do that, Nick? Uh, we'll do, uh, yeah, we'll each have five. We'll each have five. We'll each have five. Okay. All right. So I'm up first and uh, I mean, come on. Like, uh, uh, you guys going? know I'm going to take Steve Sarkeesian. Come on. Uh, it's, uh, it's easy. Uh, Texas uh, Texas schedule, look, they, they like to drop a couple within the Big 12. We know that. That, that usually happens. But uh, they have the Raging Cajuns this year, Arkansas, and Rice to open up the year as their non-conference schedule. After that, it's home against Texas Tech at TCU, which could be a tricky one. Uh, Oklahoma uh, on the 9th then Oklahoma State on October 16th, then a bye week, and then they end with Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, West Virginia, and Kansas State. So, I mean, I think this could be a pretty solid year for Texas. Usually the transition year is rough. They're losing a first round, first, second round uh, talent in Sam Cosme, you know, the starting quarterback for 150,000 games in Sam Ellinger. Um, So, you know, it's going to be difficult to replace these guys, but I think Texas could go 10 and two, nine and three, somewhere in that range, uh, you know, after a seven and three season. So that, that that's adding wins and not adding losses. So give me Steve Sarkeesian as my number one pick. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. And, and mm-hmm. each of the last two years, you've pretty much have, have uh, had the no brainer first pick. Unfortunately, last year didn't work out. Hopefully, Hopefully this year a little bit better. Uh, I think I think I have the other no brainer. I, I I think I just have to make uh, Gus Malzahn the the second pick. So I mean he you know uh, UCF is one of what three four teams on this list uh, mm-hmm. four teams that that uh, had a winning season last year. I think UCF actually underperformed last season. They were in the top fifteen in our preseason 
uh, rankings and our power rankings, which is the highest we've ever had a, a G5 program. I expected them to potentially, uh, you know, when we when we recorded our official playoff predictions, we didn't expect uh, the Big Ten or the Pac-12 to be there. I picked UCF to make the playoff. I thought they'd be able to, to run the table and, uh, you know, with, with two power conferences being out, thought that there was a chance that they would get in. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out that way. And UCF will be losing some key players. And, and that is what gives me, I think, a, a little bit of pause. They're losing uh, two very talented wide receivers, uh, a you know pretty uh, dynamic wide, uh, wide receiver tight end combo and Jacob Harris. Uh, they're, they're losing, you know, at least one starting offensive lineman. There's the potential for two. Uh, they had two senior starters on, on the offensive line last year. They'll be losing their top two running backs, including Otis Anderson, who's kind of a utility guy, gets used in a variety of ways. Uh, the defense was, uh, uh, you know, they're going to be losing two guys to the NFL draft out of the secondary. Uh, and that unit, I think, was the biggest part of the disappointment last year. Dylan Gabriel's not necessarily the perfect Gus Malzahn quarterback. So, you know, I, I understand that this is not the perfect fit necessarily for, for year one, but I think there's enough talent there. I think Malzahn is a good enough coach and, and uh, you know, the schedule doesn't, you know, really scare me away. Boise State in week one will be tough. Louisville in non-conference will be tough. The American, you know, Cincinnati, Memphis, uh, Navy's on the schedule, SMU. It, it's not the easiest, uh, you know, not not the easiest slate, but plenty of winnable games. They'll be favored in, in seven or eight of those games, I would expect at least. And Malzahn is, is a top 10 head coach, according to our uh, head coach rating. So, you know, it, it just unfortunately, I guess, in some ways, because there are some uh, some drawbacks. But I'm going to try not to overthink it this year. I'm going to go with uh, the best coach and, and arguably, you know, uh, the most talented uh, team, at least in the G5 uh, on this list here and, and say uh, Malzahn and UCF. All right, Xavier, you're up for two. You got that elbow. So yes. which two uh, coaches are you going with here? So. As I did last year, I'm just going to go for law of averages. There's just no way that these guys lose more games. And with one, they're being 12 games back. They should win more than the, than the games that they have. So my first pick is going to be Brett Bielema. I think that this is a guy who could change Illinois' trajectory uh, that, you know, Lovey Smith left it in. Um, when you look at Illinois and when you look at him in particular, this is a guy who in the Big Ten showed consistent success at Wisconsin. It just got to the point where – it wasn't good enough for them anymore. So they decided to move on from him. Uh, I don't think they've been any better since he left, If I, to be honest with you. Then he goes to Arkansas and kind of, you know, took a job that was a little too big for his bridges. Arkansas and being in the SEC, you know, probably set him back a little bit. You know, this is probably why he decided to take, you know, three years off from coaching at the collegiate level, you know, going off and being uh, and being in the NFL and being put uh, for the New York Giants. He was the outside linebackers coach. But I absolutely love him going to Illinois. I think this works a lot better than uh, than Lovey Smith did because of his pedigree in the Big Ten. I think he's going to two wins. They had two wins last year, guys. I got them with way at least four this year. I mean, we we we, we look at the schedule. UTSA, that's a win for me. Charlotte, that's a win for me. And I think they can pick up a couple of wins over you know maybe a Maryland, maybe a Nebraska. 
Rutgers is also on their schedule as, as well this year. I'm looking at at least four. So I'm going to play that. I'm going to play that game with you guys. And that's why the next coach makes perfect sense for me too. And that's Josh Heupel out of Tennessee. There's no way Tennessee only wins three games next year. When you look at their schedule, they might be three and oh, they start the year off. We've got Bowling Green, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee Tech. There's your three wins right there. Now everything else is just an added addition to, you know, the, the it's just a plus. Can they beat Kentucky? Yes, with the talent that they have. Can they beat Missouri? Yes. Can they beat South Carolina? Absolutely. And can they beat South Alabama and Vanderbilt? Yes. I love Hypo in Tennessee. It's a fresh new start. Exactly what Tennessee needed. They did not need to go with the big names anymore. That had not worked for them over the last two hires that they had. I think Hypo is a great selection for them. The offense will be renewed. There's a, it's a breath of fresh air in Knoxville. Not enough to beat Georgia. I'm going to say that now. But enough for them to at least go, you know, seven and five, eight and four in, in Hypo's first year. And I think that's a slam dunk second selection. Your turn, Scott. Uh, well, it's actually Nick's turn, but oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I, uh, I can't believe we just had Xavier speaking in a positive light about Tennessee. Like we need to mark this down February 23rd, 1146 in the morning. Uh, Xavier was positive on talking about the Tennessee volunteers. Uh, very surprising. Uh, but look, you won this last year, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm not going to question your tactics here, but, uh, Nick, your second pick, who are you going with here? Uh, somewhat similarly, and and uh, I'm I'm a little bit surprised actually that he slipped this far. The first guy on our our picks uh, this year, I guess, without any head coaching experience, that might be uh, the biggest reason why. And usually, I'm hesitant to uh, to pick a guy that that doesn't have uh, experience as a head coach, experience as a head coach, but a program set up pretty similarly to UCF where. Uh, expected to, you know, uh, at least be in the mix, if not win the league outright, was in uh, the the uh, conference championship game last season, among the most talented teams in the league year in and year out. And, and just, you know, quick observation before we have official uh, 2021 numbers, but I expect Boise State to be the the most talented team in, in the Mountain West next year. They've got uh, a veteran quarterback coming back, Hank Bachmeyer, multiple year starter. George Halani was really limited by injury last year. He's coming back as is Andrew Van Buren, as uh, you know, and they're adding Cyrus Abibi Likio as a, a transfer from Oregon. So lots of guys in the backfield there. I expect, I know that they will lose one offensive line starter. They do have an all-conference senior right guard, Jake Stetz, who we don't know officially yet if he will be coming back. But the potential maybe for two offensive line starters going back, uh, uh, leaving. They are losing tight end John Bates. They are losing at least one high-profile defender and and corner and and return specialist, Avery Williams. But – uh, depending on how the defense shakes out, there are a few senior starters there. I expect they'll probably get a few of those guys back. But with that experience on on offense, and, and I didn't even mention yet Khalil Shakir, who I think is potentially a top 10 receiver in college football. I, I think that he's uh, going to be on a, a, a short list in that you know top 10, top 20 range and, and just across all, the, you know, across the nation. Uh, so I, I like Boise State, and and they're set up for success for Andy Avalos in, in his first year. 
he might end up, you know, maybe maybe losing a, a couple of games fewer than uh, they would expect if uh, Brian Harson were back just based on inexperience, based on first time, uh, you know, the, the first time calling the shots. But, I, you know, they went five and two last year. If they play a full schedule uh, in 2021, 10 wins is certainly a reasonable expectation. They do have uh, tough non-conference games against UCF, Oklahoma State and BYU. BYU, I don't think it's going to be anything quite like what they were this year. Uh, but, you know, every game in the Mountain West is winnable. Game against UTEP is certainly winnable. So I think 10 wins is uh, is a, a worthy goal. So getting, you know, that that just raw number of, of victories, I think, is kind of kind of just have to go with Indianapolis. I uh, I'm really glad because none of you took my uh, neither one of you took my really? my second option on this and how about a first year head coach who has eight all conference players returning to his squad next year marshall and uh and, and um uh charles huff here uh they, they were seven and three last year the schedule is very favorable for them they open up at navy which it can be a tough game but i think they can smoke navy they got nc central in their second game East Carolina, like, I, I don't know where the losses are. It, it's at App State is a real tough game. Mm-hmm. I don't expect them to win that one. And at home against UAB, maybe at FAU is going to be tough. Other than that, I don't see a loss on the okay. schedule. And, and I know I'm not going to get the, uh, you know, I'm not going to get the, the extra wins on top because Marshall was uh, strong last year at seven and three, but I am probably looking at a nine to 10 win team here. So I really like Marshall. Go ahead, Xavier. What do you got? You are playing with fire, sir. You, oh, you yeah. Two, you took the two coaches with the best record coming in? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm playing with fire, but we get one point per win. Yeah. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm guaranteeing fair. my points, and I am going to split my picks here. So, uh, But but uh, I, th- I think Marshall is uh, a fantastic team, and I think they can improve on what they okay. did last year. So I think I can get – uh, a couple bonus points as well. And I am going to go uh, with my second pick with a team that was down last year, but I like this coach. I'm going to go with Will Hall and Southern Miss as my second pick. They were uh, three and seven last year. The schedule's pretty good for them uh, this season, too. Uh, I don't know why it's not pulling up here, but they, they've got uh, uh, Grambling on this schedule. They can. They've got Rice. Rice is tougher, but I think they can beat Rice. They got UTEP. Uh, you know, so where are the losses in this schedule? I mean, Louisiana Tech probably going to lose. They're going to lose to Bama, of course. Troy. Uh, you know, so th- this could be wishy-washy here. But I like Will Hall coming in. Uh, he brought in a lot of new coaches, too. It's kind of a clean sweep. And they have some good players on the squad still. So uh, give me Southern Miss as well. So I'm done. Or No, I got my last two picks. But uh, <laughs> I'm uh, for whatever reason, I, I keep thinking we have three here. But, uh, but I like these picks. I, I'm happy you guys avoided them. So uh, Marshall and Southern Miss for me. All right. Yeah, Huff, Huff was going to be my next sort of in that same – uh, same vein with Malzahn Avalos, winning program, uh, talented players returning. So I, I agree with. I that. mean, until you said this team has been consistently at the top, 
Yeah, I, I thought was, you were taking yeah. that. Thanks. So uh, I, I and then as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, okay, he's oh, going yeah, Boise yeah. State. All right, I get Marshall. So <laughs> I like that. Uh, but uh, I also like Hall. I was I was considering him at this pick. Absolutely, very similar thought process here. I'm going to take Blake Anderson from Utah State. Uh, only one win last year. They were they were bad. Utah State was bad last year. But I, I feel like it was uh, maybe worse than it should have been. So it, I, I I don't know if this makes sense logically, but my my thinking is <laughs> that they they were a better team than that final record showed, and and it's not necessarily because they played better and lost close and that sort of thing. I mean they were they were bad. Things were just sort of sort of you know came off the rails a little bit. But I think that there's more there than a one in five, you know, normal normal program would be. They they've been a winning program. They put a quarterback in the first round, as we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, just a just a couple of years ago. And you know that that certainly not having Jordan Love last year hurt, but uh, they were able to. Uh, you know, they, they, they did have some moments, saw some good things, uh, particularly in, in the uh, the game against uh, New Mexico, where Andrew Peasley just absolutely blew up, had a huge game. And they're bringing in quite a few Arkansas State transfers. Logan Bonner, a quarterback, being one of those, knows the system, going to be able to, to uh, come in and, and uh, you know, run it smoothly, get everybody up to speed. Uh, brought in a, you know, kind of a workman slot receiver type guy and Brandon Bowling who can do the same sort of thing there with the receiving core. Uh, there's some talent even on hand at, at the receiving position. I mean, Jordan Nathan entered the transfer portal, comes back. Uh, Justin McGriff is a guy 6'5", 210. You know, we, we've already broken down uh, Utah State and, and sort of what they've got. But uh, I, I think that this was a – uh, a better team should have gone, you know, should have won more than just one game. Blake Anderson is coming in. I think a pretty good coach looking for a, a, a fresh start uh, and, uh, you know, bringing in some talented players uh, who have experience with him, both on offense and defense, Justin Rice, all uh, former all mountain West player at Fresno state, then was an all Sunbelt player last year at, at Arkansas state. He's now at Utah state. Uh, you know, they've got transfers from places like Texas, Miami, uh, you know, Kansas and, and uh, Oregon State, uh, Calvin Tyler Jr., the, the running back. So I think that they've immediately, you know, raised the, the talent level. I think they've made an upgrade in coaching uh, at the head coach position. Not a huge Gary Anderson fan. Blake Anderson, you know, things weren't necessarily trending in, in the, the right direction there at the end at Arkansas State, but I think that he'll be able to, to turn Utah State around. I think he'll be able to turn, uh, you know, sort of his, his own coaching career around, so to speak, uh, and, and get Utah State back into uh, certainly respectability. But before long, I, I certainly think there's the potential that they will compete for, uh, you know, Mountain West titles, get back to bowl games. Will it happen as soon as 2021? I wouldn't rule it out, quite honestly. I think they will be very competitive next year. I think they can easily, uh, you know, get back to 500. And I know that they've got, you know, some some tough games in the non-conference. Washington State and BYU, but they play an FCS opponent in North Dakota. They play New Mexico State, who, you know, you know we have to think after uh, Sunday is, is basically uh, got to pencil that in as a win. Tough Mountain West draw in, in the Mountain Division, but you know there there certainly are winnable games. I would say that there's 
not any game on the schedule, even that trip to Washington State that uh, you say they've got absolutely no shot. I mean, I, I think it's within the realm of possibility. There'll be a you know 20-point underdog against Washington State, but it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world even if, if they won that game. So uh, I, I think that there's a, you know three, four wins at a minimum for Utah State next year. And, and I think there certainly is an opportunity to get up to five or six. All right, back to Xavier for two more picks. What do you got here? You guys have put me one head going predicament here. Oh, man. Okay, I guess I'm just going to stay with the southern blood that's in my veins. Let's go Shane Beamer in South Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I was looking at the schedule today, and I was asking some of my South Carolina constituents, some of the ones I went to high school with, and they, they're they excited about the program coming in. Hey, yeah, Governor Xavier here. Uh, you know, I had to reach out to some people before this draft. I, I, I need to know more about Shane Beamer. Uh, and, you know, looking at their schedule, they start off with Eastern Illinois and East Carolina. Those are two wins I'm comfortable saying right now. They had two wins last year. Can they find three or four? That is really what, I, what, what made me pick them. I think they can beat Troy on October 2nd. And I think they can pick up a fourth win. Where that will be, probably against Vanderbilt on October 16th. That's a four-win ball club. Could they sneak a fifth one in, depending on injuries, or maybe Kentucky's not as good as they were last year? You know, Somewhere around there? Absolutely. They got the talent to do so. Last year's team, although they only had two wins, outside the, offensively, they were actually pretty solid. Defensively, they were awful. They, 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 they let up 36 points a game, but I expect that to get better this year with just a year of experience in the SEC. It was a very young defense last year. I expect them to get better defensively this year. Uh, they won't be as bad as 36 points a game, I'll tell you that much. I think this South Carolina team can win four to five games, so that's why I'm going to go with South Carolina here. For my 10th pick, and this is the one that I was pulling whatever hair I don't have off of my head because uh, I'm really in between two guys here. Uh, but I'm going to go – I'm going to go Jed Fisher, Arizona. Let, here, and, here, and hear me out. Once again, I'm just – I'm going to play this as a numbers game. They went 0-5 last year. And, and Nick, actually, you kind of gave me the confidence to make this pick when you said so uh, defiantly, BYU will definitely not be the same team that they are that they were last year. And guess who they're playing in their first game? BYU. So I hope you're right. I'm leaning, I'm leaning on Nick with this one. Uh, but, uh, you know, BYU, San Diego State, and, and Northern Arizona, I think they can go 2-1 and one in that spell. And with how wishy-washy the Pac-12 has been over the last couple of years, who knows? They play Washington State this year. We talked about how poor Washington State has been a, a, as a program since Leach left. Are they prepared to take – to? They can they beat them? Absolutely. I do think that they can also maybe sneak in a win here against a team that's, you know, maybe uh, – we saw Colorado go 5-2 and two last year. Colorado was nowhere near that uh, that guess in that prediction before the season started, and they surprised everybody. They were a chance, matter of fact, to get to the Pac-12 championship last year if they had won their last game. So I think that the Pac-12 is a very wishy-washy league at this point. With that being said, you know, kind of not on the level of like the MAC or anything like that, but I do think it lends to some upsets that are possible with an Arizona team that's going to be looking to, you know, at least get somewhat better. And 0-5 last year to 3-7 and this year is progression. Little progression, but it is progression, and it helps me out in the numbers game in which we're playing. So I'm going to go with Arizona and Jetfish as my 10th pick. All right, Nick. What do you got? Well, I mean, on, on that note, Jetfish is, uh, you know, does have a, a perfect – uh, record, record as a head coach, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's one and oh, as a college football head coach, 
uh, was an interim head coach at, at UCLA. So, you know, he's, he's, uh, we've got some undefeated guys who've been selected, <laughs> but he's the only one that's uh, been able to, to win every game so far. So uh, I, I will go, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's sort of, you guys are making me, I think, just pick Brian Harson at Auburn and, and wow. uh, a team that's, Enjoy you that. know, I'm, I'm surprised that he's fallen to the 11th pick here. I mean, Auburn went six and four last year. Uh, six wins is, I think, absolutely the, the basement for Auburn next year. Uh, they, they've got experience at quarterback, love him or hate him. Bo Nix has been a uh, two-year starter already. They've got Tank Bigsby, who might be, uh, you know, uh, uh, an all-SEC type running back. I mean, he's certainly one of the most talented uh, running backs in the country, somebody who, who is going to be uh, in a position to, you know, carry the football a lot there. Uh, for Auburn, they've got uh, experience coming back on the offensive line. They've been playing good defense. We were just talking about their secondary specifically. Uh, might be, you know, again, it's it's very, very early, and, and I, I usually don't like to make statements like this, but uh, without knowing how our numbers actually really do back that up. But they might have, you know, the uh, top two, top three secondary in the SEC next year. They ranked sixth at the end of the last season, according to our numbers. And that didn't include uh, Jamie and Sherwood, who left early for the NFL draft, sat out the bowl game. Uh, you know, Roger McCreary is, is an all-SEC caliber player. Smoke Monday is an all-SEC caliber player. Both of those guys are coming back. They're throwing Miller in the mix. Uh, along with Jalen Simpson, and and we don't know yet. Christian Tutts had a bit a bit of a he declared for the draft, then he went into the transfer portal, then he's out of the transfer portal. So we don't know exactly what he's going to do next year, but maybe he comes back as well. But you know, I, I think there, I really like Owen Popo at, at uh, you know the linebacker. Big Cat Bryant went into the the transfer portal and committed to Tennessee, but then they changed head coaches. So he, I don't think right now is attached to anyone. Maybe he even comes back. So, you know, I, I think Auburn has got enough. They'll, they'll be able to cobble together a very, very talented roster. Receivers a little bit of a concern, but, you know, I, I think that, that, that Harson probably wants to lean on the running game anyway, and they'll play good defense regardless of the coaching changes. The schedule's very manageable. Akron, Alabama State, Georgia State, they do play Penn State, but not a, uh, you know, Penn State didn't have the best season last year. So, you know, the, the SEC West is, of course, tough. They do draw uh, or they play Georgia every year as a cross uh, crossover opponent. Uh, oh, did I see here? that uh, Xavier is telling me in the chat, Big Cat committed to Oklahoma. Is that, I, I must've missed that if that was, if that was the case, but, uh, but anyway, so, so uh, yeah, I, I think Auburn six wins uh, is if they, if they fall short of that, then Brian Harson's not going to be long for Auburn because that that's just not going to be acceptable. So I, I think that at this point, you know, expect seven, eight, uh, with the possibility to to be the second best team in, in the SEC West, they always have that potential, and you know could be in that eight win nine win range if if everything lines up. So I think you know I just sort of have to go with with Brian Harson. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a big drop off after Brian Harson too. So I was kind of hoping that you would go for the risk on maybe some upside and some extra wins and all that good stuff. And I was going to be able to take Harson, but uh, yeah, I'm looking at the big cat Bryant stuff and it looks like 
there's still kind of questions about yeah. it. Yeah, I don't the think there's anything official. There's yeah, a couple right. videos of, of like uh, people asking Oklahoma coaches about it. So maybe he thought about it. Maybe he's, uh, you know, circling the wagons here. I don't know, but uh, we'll see, I guess. So I have two picks left here, my last two, and I, I don't really like these options. My first one is going to be, <laughs> I'm going to go with Clark Lee for, for Vanderbilt. And um, look, they're, they're not, they're not a strong team, right? Uh, but they were 0-9 this year. So any win that I get is two points. And I think, I think I'm going to see three wins here, you know, ET ETSU East Tennessee state. I think they can beat them, uh, at Colorado state. I think they're still talent wise. They can match up with Colorado state. And then, uh, I, I think maybe Stanford, uh, because Stanford is really, really down depending on how well they open up the year. Maybe I think they go over probably after that. So um, well, they, got, they have UConn on the schedule this year. Oh, the so. UConn. Yeah, that was the other guaranteed one. And then maybe Stanford is what I was going to yeah. say. So, yeah, you, you're right. I completely whiffed on it here. But but yeah, I think uh, I think those are three wins. So that should be six points, which is, you know, almost everything that I got from last year. So I, I'll take uh, I'll take <laughs> six points. That's fine. And my second one, I mean, I'm really having a hard time between the last three teams here. Um, I don't know if ULM has a win on their schedule, mm. so I don't want to mess with them. Um, <laughs> I, I, think, I think Xavier's getting stuck with ULM. I know. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I know, take, I know. I'll take uh, Kane Womack and South LA. Ah, so, okay. uh, you know, look, there, there's some possible wins here. They play Alcorn State. They play uh, at Bowling Green. Uh, Southern Miss, I like, but maybe – um, you know, Arkansas State's a maybe, uh, Texas State's a maybe. You know, these are all kind of coin flippy games. So, uh, I guess they give me the highest upside of, of these schools. So, I'll take South Alabama as well and Kane Womack. And last pick for you, Nick. What do you got? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I was going to go with Womack. I I think on the surface, I I had considered Butch Jones at, at Arkansas State in earlier rounds. Yeah. Uh, but they they play a really tough schedule. They played yeah. Memphis, Washington, and Tulsa in non-conference play. They do get Central Arkansas, which should be should be a win, but a competitive FCS program. Uh, and then they you know they play all the heavy hitters in the Sun Belt. They play. Yeah. Uh, Louisiana, they play App State, they play Coastal Carolina, uh, both Georgia Southern and Georgia State. So it's it's going to be it's going to be tough, and and they certainly I think can win uh, plenty of games. I, I think there's even you know a, a shot that they uh, get back to bowl eligibility, but it's it's going to be a fight each and every week. There are not very many you know that you can just automatically say that's a win, and and there's going to be kind of a, you know, it's, it's Lane Hatcher is a quarterback who's uh, basically a two year starter or, or, you know, has, has been playing a lot of football the last two years. He's split time almost evenly with Logan Bonner. Uh, but, you know, Bonner is gone. I was thinking that meant, you know, really great things for Hatcher. He was going to be able to, 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 you know, grab the, uh, grab that job and, and, and be the guy. And then, Jones brings in James Blackman, who started, uh, you know, 25 games, whatever, at, at Florida State, bringing in a lot of transfers. That That is good for, for the talent. 
uh, available, you know, talent on hand, specifically bringing in three uh, receivers, Travalence Hunt from TCU, came will lead from Boise State, uh, and they actually had a couple of guys left over from uh, the transfer portal who signed with uh, Blake Anderson in, in Arkansas State last year, one from Texas A&M, Rashad Paul, who contributes a little bit more as a return man, but, you know, does have some skills, and, and then Javon Halls from Cincinnati have to think that there are going to be some playmakers in there and can't really replace a guy like Jonathan Adams, who is off to the NFL after a, a really, really impressive season. But, you know, Corey Rucker had a huge end of the season. Uh, Jeff Foreman had a had a, a solid season as well. So I, I think that they've got some pieces on offense that, that they're going to be fine. Going to have to see how it shakes out on the offensive line. They had three starters and, or excuse me, three senior starters and two juniors. One of those juniors left tackle Jarrett Horst has gone into uh, the transfer portal, actually has announced his destination when we go into Michigan state and, you know, the defense was bad and, and lost its best player in Justin Rice. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting at Arkansas State, but I think they're going to be you know in a lot of coin flip games, a lot of shootouts, and, and they do have uh, some offensive firepower. They're going to be able to to uh, you know to 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 win their fair share. It's just a little riskier, I think, than than maybe uh, South Alabama. And I just think you know I'll let I'll let Xavier talk about ULM, but uh, I think you're right, Scott. Where where is the win? Because, you know, the Sun Belt isn't – it's not unheard of that they could win a a game in the Sun Belt, but they play Louisiana, they play Coastal Carolina, they play App State, uh, and then the non-conference schedule is just laughable, as it often is for for ULM. They play so many difficult games. They play LSU, Kentucky, Mm -hmm. Liberty, and Jackson State. If you're going to play an FCS opponent in 2021 – you're going to, you know, it, it just so happens you've got Coach Prime coming to town with, what, half a dozen four-star transfers uh, that, that you know, just won a game this past weekend. Minus a couple enough. watches. You know. yeah, that yeah, was a little yeah. bit of a that was a that was a thing. So, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> the, you know, Jackson State is is a very talented team. So I would I would guess they're basically on par, if not a little bit better uh, just from a pure talent standpoint than, than ULM is right now. And, and ULM, I think, you know, I, I was, I was expecting actually to pick ULM relatively early because, because like you said with uh, Vanderbilt, Hey, yeah, any win is worth it's two points. points. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like the Rhett, or excuse me, the, the Rich Rodriguez, that Rhett Rodriguez quarterback. Hey, maybe that'll, Maybe that'll give them uh, something in the right direction, bringing in a couple of, you know, power five transfers at the uh, corner and, and, you know, a couple of guys on offense that should be able to contribute. But, man, I don't know. <laughs> I just it might be another it might be another uh, uh, winless season. We, we shall sure. see. <laughs> hey, you know, the champ yeah. picks last. Right. That's so. Fine. And when they, they and when they squeak out a win versus Texas State, I don't want to hear anything <laughs> from anybody because that'll, that'll be, be worth two points. That'll be two points in my back <laughs> pocket because they had nothing going for them last year. I, I don't got nothing to say, guys. Just, <laughs> just you know, I, I you know I saw it coming. I did. I was hoping one of you did not look at the schedule and was just like, "Oh, they were zero and ten. Maybe they'll pick up a couple of wins. Every win is a double point for." The, <laughs> 
Yeah, one of you won't look at the schedule. I wonder who he was hoping <laughs> wouldn't look at schedules. You know, g- give me a break, Xavier. Come on. Uh, I, I I understand. Look, I, I did research uh, for this. I went last night and I looked at uh, all the first year head coaches and the schedules. So I came ready to play. And I know you, you don't like my initial picks because they're teams that won games last year. But let's not forget, I get a point for every win. So, you know, I I know you get two points for every ULM win, but we're, you know, the three of us right here are all predicting zero wins. So (laughs) uh, well, you, you're predicting one win because you got forced into them. But if I had ULM, I bet you'd predict them for zero wins. So (laughs) absolutely. But Hey, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. Who knows? They only, they only leave the state of Louisiana four times this year. Maybe the home cooking of not having to leave their state. For what is this? Six weeks in a row, might get, you might get him somewhere. I, I I don't. I'm pulling at straws here, fellas. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, know okay. you got you got the the head coach Terry Bowden, 175 career victories as a college head coach. The next closest guy, Brett Bielaba, at 97. So he's he's by far the winningest head coach. Uh, his record is 175, 114, and Two, he might be, I think, other than Nick Saban, the only coach in college football right now uh, who has a tie in it on, his, on his career record. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's the only the, the ones that, that come to mind among FBS head coaches. But, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, you know, Terry Bowden's won a lot of games in his career. Yeah, yeah so. at Salem, <laughs> Sanford, a five hey, he, he, Auburn. Uh, Auburn, they were undefeated his first. They were undefeated his that first season. <laughs> that was Auburn. They also Not- couldn't play on television because of uh, NCAA violations. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, look, that, that is going to wrap up our our, uh, our first year head coach draft. So it was fun once again, like it was uh, last season. Hopefully, we get a different winner this time. Me, you know, but uh, but but we'll we'll see what happens. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun year to watch these. And I like you know, look, we're in February and, and we're drafting head coaches already. So uh, I expect to fully forget who I had wow. going into the year. Well, once we fire up in August, but I just took um, a screenshot. I need to yeah, <laughs> yeah. Luckily, we haven't been deleting a lot of these sheets, so we can roll get, back and, and grab. Get ready it, so. for the for the uh, CFF uh, head coach league. Oh, of right. course, the CFF right. head coach league. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Fantrax added that as an option. You know, <laughs> Yahoo's over there not even adding G5 teams, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if Fantrax added, uh, you know, coaches into the mix as well. I know you can already get points for team wins. Uh, you, you can add points in if you want. But, uh, you know, that that is going to wrap it up uh, for us on this show today. In the next show, we're going to be going uh, over what? What's the what are we going ninety to eighty one now, Nick? Is that what we're up to? That's it. So that's it. Uh, We've some, got, I think, uh, six Power Five teams. Six out of the ten will be Power Five teams. Right, and uh, Nick's favorite team is in this group here. So uh, th- this is going to be, oh man, yeah, there's some good squads yeah, uh, that we're going to be going over in the show tomorrow. So uh, make sure you're sticking with us. Follow us all on Twitter as well at Bogman Sports for me at CFP Winning Edge for Nick, and at Xavier underscore Tristier, I-C-H-E for Xavier. And we'll see you guys tomorrow. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad-free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music.
To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge.